You know, just to kind of see what's happening this morning, there's one thing that I'm mindful of. God is progressively taking us out of our religiousness. You can't be in the presence of God and be sad. If you are, you're not in his presence. Because there is no sadness in where he is. Just to give you a bit of a testimony. The times of difficulty and disillusionment is an opportunity for adjustment and redirection. A time of difficulty is the opportunity for redirection. I came 33 years ago in obedience to God to plant this church and I was going to build a Bible temple church. And after three years, nothing is working. But when I ended up in intensive care twice, God spoke to me. And it was a time of readjusting and redirection. Sometimes God has to allow us to get in a position where he can actually talk to us. Because we're so headstrong about what we believe and what we're going to do. And sometimes it doesn't fit into his call. And I've come to discover this one truth. The only model of church, real church, is in Acts. There is no other biblical model except that one. There is no other true model except that one. And until we get there and be like that, we have some religion to deal with. We get caught up in fragments of truth, but we fail to see the whole picture. A fragment of truth would be like worship, healing, praise, honor. What's the big picture? The big picture includes all of it. God's not interested in a church who is focused on one truth. He wants us to be focused on everything of who He is and what He wants to do. And Pastor David and Daniel, Daniel broke the record on the longest sermon ever preached in this church last Sunday. And I'm not going to compete with him. I'm going to go further than he did. No, I'm just kidding you. Uh, living above the noise, I heard lots of noise when I planted this church. Lots of noise. Lots of resistance. 
lots of people who wanted the traditional things which I said no to. And they walked away. I was not interested in what man had to say. I was interested in what I saw in the Bible as being the true church of Jesus Christ. And I'm not settling for anything less. None less. I think one day you will all look like you're drunk here. Do we expect the truth? If you don't like it, it's too bad. That's what I tell people throughout the years. If you don't like it, it's too bad. Because I believe God won't take us anywhere except where His truth is going. And so therefore, we don't have an option. You either flow where He goes, or you don't go at all. I don't know why. This is not part of my sermon. But I feel God is progressively liberating us from religion. You know, the stiff need. Living above the noise, I heard lots of noise, but I hear only one voice. His voice, His truth, and His power. Nothing less. Justin, where are you? He's in Sunday school. That's too bad. I want him to come here. Justin came with me to Costa Rica. And uh, the anointing that he flows in took me 30 years to get to. Because I would not be denied. We either accept the truth or reject it. But I'm not interested in altering it. The words of Jesus said that the Holy Ghost would come upon you and you would be my witnesses. You would be that. You wouldn't try to be. You would be. I don't want to try to be. I want to be. Amen? I'm not interested in intellectualism. I find that intellectualism interferes with his mind. Because his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than our ways. And I just feel, Pastor David, I just feel that God is just saying to you and that this church today, even with the visions that, that Veronica had, I just want to call her Monica. That's a royal name, you know. God wants an Acts church. 
Justin, you can come up here. here. Here's what I believe God wants to really kind of point out today. He doesn't want us to have a mental assent of what we believe. He wants us to have the experience as our knowledge. So the word know in the Old Testament and New Testament was never ever mental knowledge. It was always experiential knowledge. Adam knew Eve and she had a son. Knowing in the Bible is an intimate relationship with Almighty God, not an intellectual philosophy. And I know Justin is really hungry for the Holy Spirit. He prayed for people, <laughs> and we didn't know who was going to fall down first, Justin or the person. And I believe God wants to honor you today. Somebody stand behind him. God wants to honor you today to the next level. Amen. You receive it now. God is interested in levels. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. I've watched Justin grow in the anointing. I've seen the power of God flow through his life. He is 21 years old. I was probably 40. And I just want to bless him. Father, bless him. You see, Pentecost wasn't a figment of their imagination. It was the reality of the power of God and how it overcomes physical body and they were actually drunk and could hardly stand up. That is biblical truth. And not only that, not only were they baptized with the Holy Ghost, but they were baptized with fire. That's weird. It's biblical. Oh, it's not for today. Yes, it is. God will always honor His Word. And if you honor His Word, He will honor you with more of what He has. The Lord gave me a word for you, Sandra. He's adjusting you. He's going to change your focus. You see, he doesn't put a passion in you and then ignore it. Right now, he's adjusting your focus to release that passion. All right. Let me say this. The resurrection is the guarantee of what he promised and demonstrated. 
The resurrection is the guarantee of what he said and what he did. So he's, he's doing good. God's working on him. You see, I've experienced some things in my life that I would like to share a little bit with you. One of them is this, focus. If you want to live above the noise, focus. You got to focus. Here's, here's some of the focus of Jesus. He came as a light into darkness, a darkened world that he created, and the darkness didn't understand him. But it didn't change his focus. In John 1, 5, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We're not here to make sure people get it. We're here to be a light. He came into a dark, a darkened world that he created, and it didn't know him. You see, he was focused. He came unto his own, and they didn't accept him. They rejected him. And he didn't decide, well, you know what? These people don't like me. They reject me. The darkness doesn't get it. I'm going back to the Father. He was born in a manger. He left, just think of this, he left the glory of heaven to become one of us so that we could see a model who walked on this earth that we could live after. The king sought to kill him. How did Jesus live above the noise of his day? Living above the noise takes focus. Focus is the guardian that keeps us from distractions. Focus is the guardian that keeps us from distractions. Focus isolates you from the general to the specific. I'll give you some of the specifics of his life. Here's some of the things he focused on. Jesus focused on sonship. He said, I and the Father are one. Think of what the Apostle John wrote. He said, I and you, you and me and I and them, that they may be one. That's not doctrinal Unity. That is divine unity with the Father and the Son. Because He's in us. We are one. You are a son. Focus on it. He focused on His Father. He said, I came to reveal the Father. 
who are you revealing? Jesus focused on his destiny, which was the cross. He focused on his assignment, calling the disciples to follow him, to teach them and to demonstrate to them the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of the government of God in darkness, where there's sickness, where there's illness, where there's failure. He took care of it. And he demonstrated the reality of what was in heaven, not the myth or some philosophy of some man. Focus is very important. When I laid in the hospital, God readjusted my focus. And here is what it was. He says, you get people to follow you, you take care of them. But you get them to follow me, and I'll take care of them. And I thought that was a good deal. And ever since then, I've never been in the hospital. Jesus fo focused on the Word. Oh, he says, he says, oh no, I have to do it so that it's fulfilled what was said about me. Tell me something. What is said about you? Are you focused on what the Word says about you? He focused on the word. He said this. It says this in scripture. It is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. Whose will are you fulfilling? Your own? You see, I had to deal with these things. I had a will. I had a vision. God squashed it and showed me his. It's in here. It's in the Gospels. It's in Acts. Interpreted and applied in the Epistles and ends up in Revelation. And what he crushes, he will replace with truth. He focused on the Word. He walked in his kingship. They saw the donkey, but they didn't recognize the king. Because they had in their religious mind some image of what he should be like. And it didn't fit the picture. He didn't fit their picture. What picture do you have? Revelation says he's made us priests and kings unto our God. Do you focus on your kingship? What does a king do? Rules. What does a priest do? Minister. So we're ruling ministers. That's how he sees us because that's how he made us. And I have found that if I focus on what he has said, I progress. And I grow, and I change, and He adjusts me. He focused on what the Father had to say. 
Isn't that interesting? You know, I've met people who got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, didn't like the Word. Just, oh, we just need the Holy Spirit. We don't need doctrine. We don't need teaching. We don't need the Word. No, no. He focused on what the Father had to say. And then he said what the Father told him to say. He was totally focused. He didn't wake up one morning and say, well, you know what? I think I'm just going to say what I have to say today. I don't feel like doing what the Father tells me anymore. That's distraction. Are you with me? God is interested in actually getting you to walk in heavenly authority and power because the heavens are open. In North America, we have a mentality. When we go on the mission, I learned this on the last trip. We went, when I went to Costa Rica with Justin and I, we were focused. We were on a mission. And so we were focused, and we were focused on the Father. We were focused on what God wanted to say, what He wanted to do, and there were people that were expecting something. And what they expected was what God gave them. I come home, and I'm thinking, why do I change my focus? I'm not on a mission no more. Not this time. I said, no, I'm on a mission every day. It's not, this is not, this is not the mission field. The mission field is way over there. Well, Jesus started his mission field in Jerusalem. And so did the disciples. That was their mission field. They were on a mission. What mission? God's commission. And God is interested in getting his church to be like that. It's exciting. It really is. Like, for instance, when you see a sick person, what do you think? Well, I don't know if God wants to heal you or not. Really? That's not what his word says. You see, religion has a way of violating the truth and getting us to believe a questionable lie. It says, by his stripes you were healed. Period. I have to adjust to that truth. I've got to begin to focus on that and make it real in my life. Not just something in my head, but something that flows out of my hands. Come here. Here's what Jesus did. He's standing in front of the person, the Messiah from heaven. And his disciples are watching him. And he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. A hand. Take my hand. He's the kingdom's at hand. Was he the king? Yeah, he was the king of the kingdom. Because where the king is is where the kingdom is, and where the kingdom is is where the king is. You can't separate them. What did he do with his hand? He laid it on them and healed them. The kingdom is in your hand because it is in you. So your hands mean something. Thank you. 
Your hands mean something. God gave you these hands. He said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Believe the word. That's what I mean by God wants to undo religious things that are not working. That's one of the things that I saw. Oh, prayer meetings don't work. A few people get together for prayer and the rest of the church don't care. I said, no, no more prayer meeting. I'm not interested in what God is not doing. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Are you the house of God? Then are you praying? You have to own that. You have to own it. Well, I don't want to pray. Well, that's your business. But you're not obeying the Father. I don't want to sound harsh this morning, but I just believe God wants to adjust our focus. Because I'll tell you what, here's, here's, here's the three levels of Christianity. There is the maintenance level. I'm just maintaining. I need this. I need that. And then there's the management level. That's when I begin to take the word and start making it the authority in my life. Then I move to the mega level where the word starts to function through me. And I hate maintenance level. I don't like living in maintenance level. I don't like living in management level. I like to function in surrender level. You move into the mega level. Focus. Focus will let you live above every noise that ever comes to you. Always. Focus requires pursuit. You have to pursue truth. We're not here today because of some hocus-pocus gimmick. We didn't dance this morning because it was a program. I appreciated your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, Pastor David. That's important. He wants you to dance. He wants you to rejoice. God's not sad. He's not dead. He's not a dead battery that needs a boost. He's the guy that needs to connect to us. Focus. Focus on the time, Nelson. You got another hour. You have to focus on what the Father is doing. You know, this is all something we have to learn. How do I see what the Father is doing? Tell me something. What do you see when you read your Bible? Or do you read your Bible? What do you see when you read your Bible? What do you see when he says you are more than a conqueror? What do you see? Do you see what he sees? Or do you have tinted glasses on you can't see clearly? Because the word is pretty plain. But if you want to get into theological arguments and philosophies of religion, then it gets confusing. But the Bible's really clear. 
He sees you as an overcomer. He sees you as more than a conqueror. He doesn't see you any other way. Because he's not a defeated God, and you're not a defeated son. Let me encourage you. When you read your Bible, see something. Envision what it is saying. Because when Jesus did something, he saw what the Father was doing. So when he walked up to somebody, or somebody came up to him and said, he said, what do you need? Well, my son is sick at home, you know, and if you could just come. Well, he says, just go your way, it's done. What do we see? We see that the Father showed the Son what was already done, and he just spoke it. That's the level I want to get to. See, the Bible's not a story. It's our instructions. It's our assignment. God is not limited. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not limited to our frailty and to our humanity. He became human and demonstrated in his humanity that he could walk perfectly without sin and pay the price for you and I so that you and I could enter into what he has done. And I think we actually spit on the cross when we limit the ability of God to come to us and move through us and live through us and give us victory. And to believe anything less than that is like spitting on the cross as though it means nothing. God is not interested in our thinking. He's interested in what he has said. He focused on the joy that was set before him. It said he endured the cross. The power of joy. Had a lady in Costa Rica, and I walked up to her, and I was demonstrating the scepter, and I took the drumstick, and I was just holding it out, and I asked the lady to come up, and I wanted to illustrate that Queen Esther came and touched the scepter, and the power of God hit her. And I walked up to the lady, and I just laid it on her shoulder, and I said, your fear is broken. And she looked at me, and she said, you never know what that means to me. She says, in my mind, I thought to myself, I cannot go on like this anymore. Boom. God just dealt with it, and within 10 minutes, she broke into the biggest laughter you have ever heard, and it affected the whole congregation. And she was liberated. Did it look weird? No. In fact, I enjoyed it. Because when God gives joy, it's a joy. Well, it's, no, it's not weird. Laughter is just like medicine. We get caught up in terms. Well, so-and-so is using so-so term and so-and-so term. If it's a Bible word, it's okay. What's wrong with using a Bible word? They were weird. 
It doesn't feed into when I believe. You know what? I went on YouTube and somebody said, Bill Johnson this, Bill Johnson that, and this person that, this person. Why don't you go down and interview them and ask them some questions and see what they're doing before you blab about them? That's my, that's my advice. And until you do, I get tired of people who criticize people who are getting thousands of people saved and getting the body of Christ mobilized to go out into the community and show the power of God. And guess what? The religious system wants to criticize them and put them down because it doesn't fit their theology. But you know what? It fits the Bible. I didn't have all that written down. He lived and functioned in the open heavens where his heavenly father is. Let me read you a scripture verse. This is my main scripture verse. Oops. Okay, fine. I hate this password. (laughs) I don't like passwords. I don't use passwords. John 10 verse 9 says, I am the door. And by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Let me read to you. Here's, here's, what, here's what Christianity has done to this verse. They focused on the word just being saved. Well, this word means more than just being saved. Let me read to you the Greek definition of what this word really means. To preserve from harm, to rescue of the natural dangers and afflictions in relation to acute physical danger, deliver and rescue. In relation to stressful and threatening situations to save and to bring out safely. In relation to sickness and disease, to heal and to cure and to restore health. This is what this Greek word means. But we focus only on being saved. He says, I am the door, and if you come in, there's healing. If you come in, I'll release your stress. You see, he is the door of the open heavens. And all the resources of life are found in Him. Because when He hung on that cross, He came to this earth into a dark world and He lived for 30 years. And then He was introduced to society in the muddy river of Jordan at His baptism. And the Holy Spirit came upon Him. And a voice from heaven spoke and said these words, and I pay attention to these words. He says, 
hear him. Hear what he has to say. Listen to him. I'm well pleased with him. That was the voice of the Father confirming to us that what Jesus had to say, we needed to listen to. So I tell you, read the Gospels and listen to what Jesus said because that's what the Father expects you to do. And if you want to please Him, you will listen and you will believe and you will receive and you will do. And here's what religion has done. Religion has says Pentecost is not for today. That's not what Jesus said. The Father told him to say, the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Father told him to tell us that we will be endued with power from on high. But the Father didn't tell him what it would look like. Because he didn't want to put imagination in their mind. He wanted them to have the real deal. And to me, Pentecost is the only model of church life, period, in all the world. And I believe God wants you to be like that. Focus. He submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He depended on the power of the Holy Spirit in everything he did and everything he said. So listen to this. The Father speaks out. While the Holy Spirit's come upon, the Father speaks out and says, hear him. Because here's what the Holy Spirit does as far as Jesus' teaching goes. He will receive the Father and He'll show it to you and you can speak it out. And that's what He did. Oh, David. He submitted. He functioned in the ability of the Holy Spirit. He focused. Oh, this is really cool. You know, when they questioned who He was, you know what he said? Let me read this to you. Matthew 5, 30, uh, Matthew 8, 53. Art thou greater than Father Abraham? Here's the religious system. Which is dead, and the apostles are dead. Yeah, you killed them. Uh, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, I honor myself. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. But he said this word, it is my Father that honors me. See, that's sonship. Do you know that God honors you? He honors you. You're his son. Of whom you say that he is your God, yet you have not known him. Interesting. But I know him. And if I should say I know him not, listen to this, it shall, I shall be a liar like you. <laughs> really nice. But I know him. 
And here's what he said, and I keep his sayings. In other words, I guard and protect what he tells me. Can you think of what the Gospels would be like if Jesus didn't do that? If part of it was just him and part of it was the Father? Some of it was a lie, some of it was truth? No, no. no he was so totally submitted to the voice of the Father through the Holy Spirit. And he spoke and did and demonstrated the kingdom of God. So let me give you in conclusion here. By the way, let me read you a scripture verse. This is important. Um, in um, Zechariah, no, pardon me. Isaiah 53, verse 10. This is kind of mixed up. It's Isaiah 53 anyway. It was the Lord who bruised him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. This is the amplified version. When you, when you and he make his life an offering for sin, let me read it out of the King James. When you shall make his, off, his soul an offering for sin, listen to this. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his seed. Means he sees you. His sacrifice on the cross came into focus by seeing his seed. You're not an accident. In God's mind, you're not a failure. You're a son. He focuses on your sonship more than he does on your failures. He wants to relate to you through your sonship because he loves you and has a plan and a provision for your life. If you want to live above the noise, focus. Get a focus. You see, there's the general focus, but there's the specific focus. And the specific focus was this. He was a son, and the father was the person of his focus. Number two. He came to do the will of the Father that was written concerning his life. His life was pre-planned and he submitted to it. May I say something to you? Your life is pre-planned in here. Read the Gospels. That's, your, that's his plan for your life. See, Jesus submitted to the pre-plan of the Word. We do likewise. Focus. What am I focused on? I'm focused on His pre-plan for my life. He told me to talk about His authority and His dominion and His power. And then He told me to demonstrate it by healing the sick, raising the dead, and cleansing the, lep uh, the leper, and freely receiving and freely giving. 
You'll never grow without focus. But what you focus on is what you grow into. He was, the, the word was the fulfillment of his focus. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. These are the three main ingredients in your life. If you have these three main ingredients in your life, all the other things come into focus. The sonship. The predetermined will for, of God for your life. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Those three things are the main things to focus on. And other things kind of fall into place. You are, do you realize that you are in the palm, the Bible says you're in the palm of his hand? What's in his hand? The kingdom. Hallelujah. Do you like living in maintenance? Maintenance often means I have to depend on somebody else. Management means I'm starting to take control of my life. And mega means I'm functioning in the word and the authority. And I have found a great joy of living in the mega. It's never ending. It's forever learning. And it's always coming to something new and another level of life. And I think too many Christians live in the maintenance a lot of churches nowadays, all they do is maintenance. It's just maintenance work. The ministry is just maintenance work. Maintaining, maintaining, maintaining. You know, God is not in maintenance. God is in mega. God wants you to come out of maintenance into management and start functioning in his kingdom with what his word says you can do and who you are. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's challenging, but I'm telling you, it's fulfilling. So if you're in pain right now, let me say this to you. If you're in pain right now, focus, because God's going to adjust you. If you're just making it right now, financially, focus, because God is going to adjust you. God is not interested in you living in not enough. I tweeted a tweet, if there's not more than enough, there's not enough. In other words, 
enough is never enough because it runs out. You have to have more than enough. Then you have enough. So God is not just enough. He's more than enough. What does that mean to me? What that means to me is, is provision for my life and my family, but it's more than that. There's more than enough in what He has said and in His power for me to achieve His goal. There's more than enough. I, I, I'm not limited to my enough. I am submitting to His more than enough. He has enough power to raise the dead. He's got enough power to heal the sick. He's got enough power to reach darkness. He's got enough power to be a light. I don't want to just be a dimwit in life. I want to be a beacon. I don't want to be a flickering light. I want to be a dynamite of God in the earth today. I want my father to be honored, not dishonored. Well, I don't know if God can do And he's sitting up there, he says, what do you think I can do? Nothing. I better quit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the fire that burns in you. The passion that I have is not me. It's the fire of God in my life that has a passion for His Word. And nothing less and nothing more. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the river that runs out of my life. It's the rivers that flow. That Almighty God has initiated and released in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's pray. Father, <laughs> Lord Jesus.